This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. How much do you know about the Fifth Amendment? Some top scholars consider it one of our most important rights. And how can you avoid being wrongfully convicted of a crime? We'll hear from an expert. The Fifth Amendment is not just for the guilty. It was intentionally written for the protection of the innocent. And it's no less valuable to the innocent who have just as many rights to assert the privilege as the guilty do. Then, there are vital prescription drugs that can cost you a fortune. But a journalist discovered how to get a wonder drug for thousands less. Most people don't realize this. But doctors, many doctors, they're compassionate people who want to help everybody, and they don't want money to get between them and their patients. Those two interviews and more are straight ahead on this week's show. Stay tuned. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. When it comes to protection from wrongful conviction, the Fifth Amendment is essential, according to our next guest. And what should you do if law enforcement officers start asking you questions? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here with the story. Roy? Thank you, Chris. We're talking with James Duane. He's a professor at Regent Law School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Millions of people are familiar with him because of one of his lectures posted on YouTube several years ago called Don't Talk to the Police. He's now the author of You Have the Right to Remain Innocent. We'll assume that at least some people in our audience haven't seen your YouTube lecture, so let's just start with a quick summary of why you advise people not to speak to the police. Well, the problem is that it's difficult to give a quick summary because, honestly, there are so many different ways in which an encounter with the police can go very, very badly for you, even if you are innocent. The first chapter of the book gives at least a dozen different reasons why even innocent people can later regret a voluntary meeting with the police is the biggest mistake of their life. Most of them don't, but many of them do, and some of them do it from inside a jail cell, falsely convicted of a crime they didn't commit, and many of them because of a conviction that never even would have resulted if they had kept their mouth shut. Most people think if I'm truly innocent and just simply tell the truth, that's got to be helpful to me, but you don't necessarily agree. Oh, absolutely not. And by the way, I'm not the only one. The subtitle of the book is What Police Officers Tell Their Own Children About the Fifth Amendment. I've lectured around the country about this subject to literally thousands of college students and law students for the past eight years. And almost everywhere I go, I ask them, hey, is there anybody here who's got a parent who's a police officer or a prosecutor? And there's usually one or two. And I ask them, I say, well, what do they tell you about the Fifth Amendment? And every single one, everyone, 100% without exception, says they told me the same thing. When I was a young kid, they told me, don't ever, ever talk to the police. If you ever have a police officer ask you to answer a couple of questions, you tell them no and you call me right away. Day in and day out, police officers get people to make damaging admissions. Not necessarily an outright confession, but just conferring, well, okay, yeah, yeah, I was there. I, I saw the whole thing. I wasn't involved, but I saw the whole thing. And yes, the guy who did have the gun, he was a friend of mine. I, and yes, it's true, the guy that was shot, turns out he is a member of a rival gang, but I had nothing to do with any of this. Technically, that's not an admission that you were involved in the crime, but guess what? You put yourself at the scene, you gave the police proof that you had the motive and the opportunity to commit the crime. From this point, it's going to be a downhill slide to a conviction. It may be a life in prison for a crime you didn't commit. Very possibly a crime you couldn't have been convicted of if you had kept your mouth shut. But way too many people who ought to know better 
makes the same fallacious assumption that, oh, if I'm innocent, I've got nothing to hide. So therefore, I should talk to the police because if I don't, that'll make me look guilty because only guilty people have any reason to remain silent. And that's the mindset that persuades many innocent suspects who ought to know better to go ahead and talk to the police because they're afraid of how it will make them look. And this mindset is even more nefarious in the jury room. Because the juries, too, are likely to think of themselves, oh, my goodness, this guy, he's probably guilty of something if he wouldn't talk to the police. The Fifth Amendment is not just for the guilty. It was intentionally written for the protection of the innocent. And it's no less valuable to the innocent who have just as many rights to assert the privilege as the guilty do. But it has become, as I say in the book, the constitutional privilege that dare not speak its name because you can no longer tell the police, oh, I don't want to talk to you because I want to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. There's too many ways that can go badly for you as well. What you need to do instead is assert your Sixth Amendment right to an attorney. Tell the police you'll talk to them, sure, but not until they get a lawyer for you. And then when there's a lawyer there, then you'll talk to them. When you say don't talk to the police, does that apply to basically every circumstance? Let's say, for example, that I witness a robbery. Do you think I need an attorney before telling the police what I saw? You've got to be very cautious, I'm sad to say, even in that situation as well. A good friend of mine was the first one to discover the murdered body of an individual with whom he was related. It was a relative of his. And he contacted the police, and they took him into custody. And there was no evidence, absolutely none, that he was involved in the killing or that he had any motive to commit this murder against his own nephew. But the police had no other suspects. And the natural inclination of far too many police officers is to think to themselves, well, before we let this guy go, let's interrogate him for four or five, six hours if he'll let us, and see if we can maybe trip him up into giving us a damaging admission. It's also reflective of the natural, powerful human desire we all have for closure. We want to believe that we can find the guy who did this. And if we've only got one potential suspect, darn if he isn't starting to look more and more guilty the more we look at the guy. Our guest on InfoTrack is Professor James Duane from Regent Law School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He's the author of the book, You Have the Right to Remain Innocent. Now, maybe it's your criminal defense attorney past, but I'm going to ask, I think many people would say you have a very deep mistrust of law enforcement officers. Is that fair or unfair? It's close to fair. (laughs) I wouldn't put it quite that way. I wouldn't say that I have a deep mistrust of law enforcement officers per se, as if it were somehow indicative of any kind of a personal animosity on my part. I want to believe the best of everyone, and I'm a great admirer of police officers and the extraordinarily valiant and courageous ways in which they risk their very lives for our protection. And I say that in the book, too. It's nothing personal. They're just doing their job. The only problem I have with the police is that they're only human, and they're working within the constraints of an extraordinarily imperfect legal system that they did not build, they did not design. And the system is being run and populated by nitwits and incompetence in the prosecutor's office and in the jury room, who sometimes are doing a great job, but you have no way that you can presume that your case is going to fall into the hands of the world finest and most sophisticated prosecutors or jurors. And these people sometimes make the most egregious mistakes. And the more information you give to the police, the more likely it is that you'll end up getting convicted for something you didn't do. So no, I wouldn't say that I'm deeply suspicious of police officers, but I am deeply suspicious in a hundred different ways of an extraordinarily imperfect criminal justice system. One of the things you also write about is when you are, in a few limited cases, answering questions from a police officer, you should only answer in the present tense and not in the past tense. Explain that. Sure. There's one important exception to all of this, because it would be ridiculous to tell everybody, don't ever talk to the police, don't ever say a word. There's one important exception. On those rare occasions, when you find yourself suddenly in the presence of a police officer, who finds you doing something that obviously calls out for explanation. He finds you, for example, crawling into your own house 
through a window that you just broke in the dark in the back of the house? Don't be a jerk. Don't say to the officer, no, I will not tell you whether I live here. Are you profiling me because of my race? Don't be an idiot. The police officer is only being perfectly reasonable. He's only doing his job. For goodness sake, wouldn't you want him to ask the same questions of anybody else that he found climbing into your house at night while your wife and kids are sleeping in there? Of course you would. Here's my name. Here's my identification. And here is why I'm climbing in through the window because this is my house. But all you will tell him under those circumstances are two things. Who you are and why you are doing what you are doing right then and there. And we're only talking about explaining things that the police officer just saw with his own eyes. You will not answer questions, even then, about the past tense. If he tries to strike up a little conversation about how long you've been here, and what time did you get here, and where were you an hour ago, and who were you with, and what were you doing, the answer to that is I will not tell that kind of information to the police or anybody else who works for any government agency. And to those of your listeners who think I sound like an extremist or paranoid or unpatriotic, let me be the first to confess, from the bottom of my heart, I wish this weren't the advice I had to give the whole world. I wish this weren't the advice I've got to give my students and my own children. And that, by the way, criminal defense lawyers are giving all their clients and police officers are giving their own children. I would presume that if everyone took your advice, there certainly would be fewer innocent people wrongfully convicted. But would it reduce the number of crimes overall solved? (laughs) Well... Yes, of course. If by solved you mean successfully closed because we were able to pin it on somebody, yeah, I'll guarantee you that's going to happen. That's the reason for the book. Right now we're convicting way too many innocent people. The more important part of your question is whether this information, if it's widely enough disseminated, will actually make it more difficult for the police to convict guilty people as well. I'm not that worried about that. I really am not for a whole host of reasons. Number one, I don't think in most criminal prosecutions, serious criminal prosecutions of seriously guilty people convicted of terrible crimes, the confession that they obtain from the guy is not usually the critical linchpin of the case. You know, Tim McVeigh committed the worst crime at the time in American history. He never gave the police any information. He didn't talk. He didn't confess. But they were able to put together a case against him just fine. Lots and lots of guilty people are convicted all the time. The ones who are talking, well, it's easier to convict them. The ones who don't talk, more often than not, we can find a way to prove that they were the ones who did it and to convict them as well. James Duane, professor at Regent Law School in Virginia Beach, Virginia, the author of You Have the Right to Remain Innocent. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, how to get life-saving wonder drugs without paying a fortune. That story, coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.